Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And we're thankful to have this opportunity every day, Monday through Friday, to be able to be with you and open up God's Word, study a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, learn a little, a little bit more of those rich teachings and truths that God has communicated to us through the Scriptures, through His Word. And we need to always understand that the Scriptures of the Bible are God's very Word. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that means, literally, it is God-breathed. In other words, God's very Word. As though it was coming across from the very lips of God. If you can imagine God in that way, of course, He's a spirit being and not a physical being, but that's the sense of what we're supposed to get from that particular statement in Scripture. When we read the Bible, we're reading God's very Word. And so that makes it extremely important. In fact, it makes it all important for us to learn, to understand, and to live by. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. So he wants us to be in heaven with him for all of eternity. He created us in his image with a spiritual being within our physical shell. Now we're physical beings in that we have our physical body, but we're also spiritual beings in that God created us with a soul. And so we are unique from everything else that he created. And in that uniqueness, we have that spiritual essence, that spiritual reality, so that we can understand, unlike everything else that God created, we can understand righteousness and unrighteousness, the very concept of good versus evil, and so on. So God wants us to be with him for all of eternity. And here on Search the Scriptures, we really strive diligently to help you and all of our listeners understand how to walk with God so that we can live with him forever in heaven. We want to help you grow in your faith. Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we believe that the most beneficial thing that we can do for you is to accurately and effectively teach you God's word and encourage you to pass it on to others. Now, as somebody understands and then determines to make that proper application to their lives by repenting of their sins, as Jesus said we must do in Luke 13 and verse 3, and confessing our faith in him as God's Son and our Lord and Savior, as Jesus said we must do in John chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, and surrendering to him in baptism, through which the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins, and ushers us into salvation in him, as Jesus taught the apostles to teach in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, then we can have that assurance of being with God forever in heaven, and Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So what a blessing we have in God's word to guide us, give us direction, give us hope, a hope that is different from the hope that most people try to grab onto in this world, because most times that hope is not centered in God and in a relationship with him. We're talking about an eternal hope. We want to encourage you to encourage others, your friends, your family members, your work associates, your neighbors, 
anybody and everybody to listen to this program each day. Now, I know that many people cannot work their schedules around to do that at specific times, so encourage them to do this, and you can do this yourself. Go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. It is free. Scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and in about one minute, you can sign up for our podcasting. That's free, and it will always be free. When you sign up for our podcasting, you receive these radio programs every day sent to your smart device, whatever that is, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, your pad, your, t- your, your tablet, whatever one you choose, they'll go automatically to your smart device. And again, it's all free, always will be free. But you'll also receive not just these radio programs, but you'll also receive all of our sermons and all of our Bible classes and a great, about a 12-minute study each day that we call today's Bible class to keep us in God's Word and to keep us focused on our spiritual well-being or to help us change if we don't have spiritual well-being, to help us continue to focus on our relationship with God. So take advantage of this opportunity and encourage others to do so. It can make an eternity of difference for good. We're going to get back into our study on grace, and we're actually in the last section of this in-depth and detailed study of God's grace. As I pointed out in our last time together, by way of introducing this particular section of our study on God's grace, There are many people who talk themselves out of becoming a Christian because they think they can't be forgiven. They've done such terrible things. They've lived such sinful lives for so long a period of time. They think they cannot live the life of faithful Christianity. Or maybe they just think they're too bad to be good. Well, there are also many Christians who talk themselves out of being active, working, dedicated, consistent Christians. They don't get involved in the work and activities of the church because they think they don't have the abilities or the capabilities to be able to serve in active ways. And so they just don't do that. Well, neither group takes into account the sufficiency of God's grace to work in their lives. And so this last section emphasizes that God's grace is sufficient. Whatever is facing you, whatever comes your way, whatever the devil throws at you by way of temptation or tribulation or difficult situations in your life, whatever the world might confront you with along any of those lines, God's grace is sufficient to see you through. Now we're looking at this from the perspective of several applications of this principle and truth. And first we looked at God's grace is sufficient to save you. Now we've emphasized this throughout this longer study on God's grace. We're saved by God's grace. We cannot save ourselves. Now at the same time, we've emphasized that God expects us to come to him through Jesus Christ in faithful obedience, and then he saves us. We don't save ourselves, 
but he expects us to come to him on his terms in faithfulness and then obedience, surrendering to our Lord and Savior in baptism for the remission of our sins so that the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. When we come to him in faithful obedience, then God saves us. God saves us. God's grace is sufficient to save you. You think you're too bad to be good? You don't trust God? You don't think God's powerful enough to save you even from the guilt of whatever horrible sins you may have been living in or committing through your life? God's grace is sufficient to save even you. Now the second application, God's grace is sufficient to enable you to effectively serve him even though you may be hindered by physical weaknesses and impediments or maybe some other situations in your life. When we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find the Apostle Paul talking about, again, his life experience and particularly this very, in fact, vital, vitally important principle that he learned in his life as a Christian. In chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7, Paul wrote, And lest I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now Paul does not anywhere in any of his inspired letters tell us what that thorn in the flesh was. I believe we're to understand, obviously, that it was some kind of physical problem. Some have speculated that it might have been a vision problem, because in one of his letters he said, you see with what large letters I write my name. Well, somebody who has a vision problem might tend to write in large letters so that they could see it themselves, let alone other people seeing what they're writing. Uh, some have suggested that, that it might have been some kind of illness that he was afflicted with on an ongoing basis. Well, that could be. Maybe it was a physical handicap of some kind that he just never writes about and nobody ever mentions. We don't know. And it's really pointless to speculate over and over and over again as to what that thorn in the flesh might have been. Paul simply said he had a thorn in the flesh. Now, it was serious enough and bothersome enough to him and maybe even handicapping enough that he prayed about it. In verse 8 it says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it, would, that it might depart from me, whatever this thorn in the flesh was. In other words, he prayed that the Lord would remove it from him. He prayed three times about it. In verse 9 says, and he said to me, that is the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So the answer to his prayer was, it was not just a flat no. It was no because my grace is sufficient for you. Even in the face of your weakness, your difficulty, handicap, whatever that might be, my grace is sufficient for you. 
And the Lord went on to say, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I believe we're to understand that the lesson that the Lord was trying to get across to Paul and the lesson which he understood and accepted was that the Lord can work through us even in the face of our difficulties, our physical problems, our illness, our handicaps. He can still use us even in powerful ways if we will trust him and let us and apply ourselves to the task. Paul then responded, therefore, most gladly, I will, I will rather boast of my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Strong in and of himself, by his own ability? Well, of course not strong through Christ. You see, the Lord was telling him, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I can work with you and through you even in your perceived weaknesses. I can still use you to do mighty things, to do powerful things, to do effective work. Now, not all of us are going to do the same kinds of work in serving the Lord, but all of us virtually without exception, can do something. We can do something to serve the Lord. And God can bless us in those efforts, even bless us mightily. So Paul learned this lesson. And he didn't get down in the mouth about it. He didn't shake his fist at God. He didn't give up. He gave no, no indication that he got depressed. He, he rejoiced in his weaknesses. What did he say again? Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. Therefore most gladly I will, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In the 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians and verse 4, Paul wrote this, for though he, that is speaking of Christ, was crucified in weakness, Yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Now how did Christ die? How is he crucified in weakness? Well, we might think of the physical body. When the Roman soldiers took his physical body and nailed it to that cross, and then put it through the rigors of crucifixion, which was a brutal, barbarous form of execution, he died physically. His physical body died. But he rose from that grave by the power of God. Though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. And then the lesson Paul tries to get across to us, for we also are weak in him, but he shall but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Now Paul might have been making the statement in that last part of that verse, we are weak. When he says we are weak in him, he may have been referring to he and his co-workers, maybe even the apostles. But we might think about that, all of us. Physically, from a physical perspective, well we're weak, aren't we? We stumble, we get injured, we get sick, 
And ultimately, every single one of us, unless the Lord comes again first, will die physically. But that's not the end of the story. For any of us, if we're walking with God faithfully and obediently, Paul said, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. We shall live with him. You see, we're not looking forward just to the next day of this life. We're looking forward to our resurrection so that we can be with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven for all of eternity. Read the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It is an incredible text of scripture that really goes into detail about our resurrection as faithful, dedicated Christians who have already died and been buried physically, that we will come back, not in this world, but we will have our resurrection so that we can be with God in heaven, be given that spiritual body ourselves. So we can live in him, and we ultimately want to live with him in heaven. How did, how did Paul find the strength, the ability? Where was the source of what he needed to be able to have that positive attitude and mindset and to live that positive lifestyle of knowing that the Lord is there and the Lord can and will see him through no matter what difficulties might confront him? In Philippians chapter 4, In verse 4, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You know, the Christian has the right more than, or maybe I should say the reason, the greatest reason. A Christian has the greatest reason to rejoice and be joyful and happy in life more so than anybody else because he knows who he is. He knows he's a Christian. He knows he's walking with the Lord. And he knows what's coming next, and that is eternal life in heaven. So no wonder Paul said rejoice in the Lord always, even in the face of death. Again, I will say rejoice. And then in verse verse, uh, 11, he talks about his own personal experience. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. To be content. Now, contentment is elusive for us as human beings from the physical perspective. One of the reasons, a vital reason why we can be content as Christians goes back to verse 7, where Paul said, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, or through Christ Jesus. So the peace of God is abiding for us. It is an abiding blessing that just takes care of us and gives us that contentment. So Paul said in verse 11 again, I have learned, I have learned, it wasn't a natural thing for him, he said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And then he says, I know how to be abased, and that is to be brought low, and I know how to abound, and that is to 
have everything or things going really well, at least at that moment. He says, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, we see both ends of the spectrum, don't we? Life is not an even line straight across. We have our ups, we have our downs. We have our more positive experiences and our more negative experiences. But Paul says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, what's the secret? In verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that is exactly what he was talking about and what the Lord was teaching him and the lesson Paul received and understood and put into practice in his life. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and chapter 12 and, and, and verse 9, when he said, the Lord told me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul learned that valuable lesson, that all-important lesson, no matter what life throws at me, no matter what the devil confronts me with, whatever obstacles are put in my way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And where does our ultimate victory come from? Through Christ. Through Christ. And praise be to God for that victory. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for assuring us and laying out for us in your word lessons of individuals through whom we can learn that lesson that your grace is sufficient to see us through whatever the situation might be. Please bestow your grace upon us always. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.